Hey everybody, it's Karen, and I'm coming to you to talk to you about the culture of doing, um, the big dreams that we have, and how to stay encouraged while we're trying to make these things happen, um, letting you know it's okay to be fearful sometimes, and to know that you don't have everything you need, and that it's still okay to go forward. Um, yesterday, I was listening to a um uh, Janice Howroyd, who was speaking to a group on behalf of uh, Inc.com, um, the magazine, about not only her business, she was one of the first black women to own a business worth a billion dollars. So obviously she's a, a treasure of information on actually building a business. But she also just told her story of her growing up as a young black woman in North Carolina in the 60s, in a time where segregation was still very much the rule, or even if it was being dismantled, it was going really slowly. And she told a story about how on her side of town, the schools in her area um, were such that even her textbooks were missing pages. And in a course like a history course, if you're missing pages, you are missing possibly the story, the crux of the story. And it's going to be hard for you to piece together the series of events without that, that information. And she went home and told her dad about the missing pages. And her father just told her, you know, you're smart enough to figure out what's in between. And she said that that really helped her later in life. Um, because she knew <clears throat> that no matter whether she had all the resources she needed, whether she had all the connections that she needed that she had personally what it took to make her dream come true or to accomplish the task at hand. And for some reason, that just spoke to me. Because for one thing, as a black woman, I know that that is our story. Making do with what we have. Finding a way to not just survive, but to be extraordinary a lot of times, despite limited resources. Some of the greatest Things, some of the things that I love the most have come out of improvisation. Uh, you improvise um, and you can create something wonderful. For example, soul food was created from improvisation. We know that enslaved persons and poor black people did not have the resources to acquire premium cuts of meat. Um, the freshest fruits and vegetables and all these things that people with greater means took for granted or had at their fingertips. Poor black people and poor people in general, I'm sure, but especially poor black people had to figure it out. And so they learned about, you know, maybe they couldn't use, they couldn't eat the ham that was made, but that ham bone had usefulness in flavoring the things that they were able to make later. And soul food is one of my favorite things, especially being a Southerner myself. Um, I'm making some collard greens tonight. And it may not have a ham bone in it because I'm trying to eat better than that. But anybody who's ever had that understands how much flavor that can add. Jazz came out of improvisation. Hip-hop. Um, freestyling. Uh, the the hip-hop dance. And all these other things came out of... Um, limited resources, or being shut out of traditional opportunities. There's also a theory in the startup culture that if an entrepreneur has too many financial resources at their disposal, 
in the early stages of um, building their business, they might miss an opportunity to innovate or to come up with a solution that is cheaper and better and faster. Um, if you have the $100,000 to spend on a software that can fix all your problems from day one, you may never find the $10,000 solution to your problem. Sometimes bumping your head against the wall will actually make you a better entrepreneur. And so I say all of that stuff to say that it's okay to start sometimes when things are not perfect. As I said before, this podcast is being made on my phone, on the GarageBand app, and I'm sitting in my car because that is the place I could think of with the best acoustics for recording something. <clears throat> so I'm trying to figure it out. It may not all be perfect. I'm not a producer. I don't have years of experience with audio engineering. And so there may be some weird and rough cuts sometimes. Sometimes my music levels might be a little bit too high or too low, but I'm getting started. I've only told a handful of people at this point about this podcast because I want to work and try to figure some things out. But I'm, I've asked some people strategically for some pointers because I think that they are great resources and they can help me make it better than I can make it myself. But I want to prove to myself that I can push something out and that I can just get it done. I've had some people who were I was referred to some other people who, oh, yeah, you know, they're working on a podcast. They're doing this. They're doing that. They can help you. And I talk to them. Like they have advice about, well, maybe you should do this. Maybe you shouldn't do that. And I asked them, well, what's the name of your podcast? Where can I go listen? And they haven't released any um, episodes yet. So maybe haven't even recorded any episodes yet. So I would say not to say that I can't take advice from them because I'm sure they've learned some things, putting some things together. But I've always kind of been a doer. And I've always been the kind of person that just said, you know what? Let me just try it out. And see if I can build the boat as I go. Because you're not going to drown. You know, even if you're just kind of hanging on to a piece of floating wood, sometimes I'm not going to drown. So you just have to get it started. So for those who have a dream, something that they're trying to make happen, um, Bourgeois Bohemian is a brand that I've kind of been working with for some years had like an online consignment shop i really want my brick and mortar store one day because consignment just works better if you're not already a known trusted retailer it works better in a brick and mortar um setting because people can touch and see things and i really want my store but i started online because it's cheaper um you know i didn't have anybody pumping money into me and investing in me right now so I had to kind of figure out what I could do in the meantime and I even scaled back from having my own site because the cost of doing that I was pretty much just like breaking even which could be cool but then I thought about there that there were other sites that I could use like tradesy.com which I do use to sell things and basically achieve the same end and not have that overhead expense every month so to keep from rambling let me go back People who are selling things online, whether you're selling on Instagram and you're trying to make something happen, there are people who will clown you for that because you don't have all this perfect branding, because you can't afford a consultant right now to help you do all the things and make it glossy and make it beautiful right now. 
and you're having to start on Instagram. But don't you dare let anybody discourage you from your Instagram shop right now. If you're selling, that's what counts. That means that your product is viable. If you're able to sell, even selling on Instagram, selling in a flooded space like Instagram where everybody is pushing something. If you were able to make something pop on Instagram, just think of how much better you'll be when you do have a budget for marketing. So don't let people discourage you from starting where you are. If you're selling stuff on a street corner or out of your trunk, it is okay. If you read Damon John's book, the founder of FUBU, and um, one of the panel members on Shark Tank, he started out of his trunk and learned how to just sew things in his in his apartment, in his mama's apartment, if I'm not mistaken. And so things may not always be glossy. And especially in a city like Atlanta, a lot of people <clears throat> come up with these means to make themselves look really big and really glossy and really shiny. And I don't know. I don't even know how they do it. And I'm not hating on anybody who has the means or has somebody that maybe they've gotten to the stage where they have an investor that can put money into their projects and make them look really glossy and really nice. Um, But I'm just saying it's okay if you're not there yet. I guess that's my point. So, um... I just want to encourage you. That's all. It's okay to be a little bootleg for a while. You know, you don't want to ruin an opportunity where you have a big opportunity and you're not ready because you haven't put forth the time and effort that you really needed to put forth to be great where you are. Um, So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you know you just being unprepared or you didn't read or you don't understand something just because you didn't take the time to learn it but everybody is not going to be looking for you to be a complete package all polished up all the time sometimes you just got to get it started and people can recognize talent in you you know um another thing and I'm going through it right now is um, I'm in a bit of a crisis. So I have two degrees in real estate. I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in real estate. And as I said on the intro to this podcast, um, I have been knocking at the door of commercial real estate for going on 12 years this year. I fully expected that when I finished college in uh, 2006, with a bachelor's in real estate. It's basically a real estate finance degree. I don't know why they don't just call it that. I thought that I was going to be able to get a job with one of the big four accounting firms in their real estate um, uh, analytics and real estate analytics function where I was going to be able to go work for a corporation in their real estate department and uh, go on on my merry way. I did know that it was uh, that the commercial real estate is a white male dominated space. But, you know, in your mind, you're thinking, well, I mean, if I get my paper and I do what I'm supposed to do, I should be able to find my way. And I'm telling you, 12 years later, I have never held a commercial real estate job. I even went back and got a master's in it because I was thinking, well, I finished college the first time right before the economic downturn. You know, there weren't a whole lot of jobs available then because they already kind of started seeing the market fall off. So maybe if I go back and get my master's, 
then that'll put me back in the market afresh. It's still not working out. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that real estate is something that I really, really want to do. It's something I enjoy studying. But working in a real estate function, when I think about the positions that are available, really sounds boring. (laughs) I like numbers. I love numbers, actually. But I'm not saying I want to be a number cruncher for a living. Um, I definitely enjoy talking with people more, interacting with people more. I'm working technically in a marketing position. Marketing is in my title, but it's really a business development role. And I, I even though there's a lot of pressure involved with that, um, I really enjoy talking to people and I still get to talk to real estate investors and get to work in an affordable housing space where I can help make affordable housing available to people. And to be honest, my current role makes a whole lot more sense for somebody like me, my temperament, with my educational background, and with my social sensibilities. And so I say all that to say that I'm kind of in a crisis where I'm having to accept that my plans for myself are not what I need to be doing. And me submitting to the process and understanding that what I had been longing for for so long really wasn't best for me and that's why I was never able to penetrate and that I need to go along the path that makes more sense to me that's part of what this podcast is about it's self-discovery for me but it is also a creative outlet for me and it gives me the opportunity to talk to people and interact with people um, and encourage people and especially black women because they are the group that I'm most passionate about Um, and so hopefully if you're in a place where you're realizing that the thing that you have wanted for so long, isn't really what you needed, it may not be what you actually want. Just know you're not alone. I'm right there with you and I'm trying to figure out what my next steps are and where I'm going and what's going to happen. And, um, you will too. You'll figure it out. So that's all I have to say, you guys. Again, please subscribe if you have not to Bourgeois Bohemian Podcast and uh, connect with me on IG and Twitter at Bourgeois underscore Boho and on Facebook at Bourgeois Boho. Um, so I'll talk to you guys soon. I am actually doing my second interview uh, with Adam Tolliver. A financial expert so we'll be talking about money and investments and all that great stuff today uh and it should be episode number three so i will talk to you guys later thank you so much for listening to me ramble i hope it wasn't too crazy talk to you later bye one more thing before we go um people are always asking me about my wardrobe which is almost entirely thrifted and consigned um, after I lost 80 pounds from my top weight, I really needed to replace my um, my wardrobe really quickly. And I was working in a professional environment where I'd never really worked in an office environment before. And so I needed to, that coupled with the weight loss required me to put together that wardrobe really fast and on a minimal income. So um, I started getting into thrifting. Growing up, my mom always took us to like Value Village and we were wearing polo that was a thrifted polo back when we were kids and carrying Liz Claiborne purses that had been taken to Value Village 
off Metropolitan Parkway. But I still love it. It has become a thing for me. And I've even helped some people source um, clothing for events that they had uh, through thrifting. And you're talking about pennies on the dollar um, between thrifted clothes and retail. So we're putting to, I'm putting together that, um, that shopping trip. It's scheduled for September 16th. Um, that is a Saturday in the city of Atlanta. And you will uh, find out about the meetup location after you register. How you register is I want you to go to thrift trip atl.eventbrite.com and you can purchase your ticket there there are only 14 slots available so you might want to get on that really soon early bird prices are $15 per person that basically covers the cost of the van and the gas Um, and if you purchase after September 9th on or after September 9th the price goes up to 20 for being late so uh Give me a call if you got my number or follow me on social media and send me a message if you have any questions. Thanks. Bye.